0: So that's fine. We can uh, pick up where we left off. Uh, I'll backtrack a little bit just to get us back into the steam of things. Um, so today is actually a little bit better example in that uh, it was actually Divine Service 1, which is what the book has, actually, has used as its kind of template for us to through the service. This is the service of the sacrament. Uh, we do have other what we call prayer offices, right? So we do matins, in the evening we'll do vespers. There's morning prayer, evening prayer. Um, and uh, there is this peculiar innovation that it, it had its practical reason but then it took on a life of its own this happens in the church <laughs> it happens a lot of places right I mean think about like yeah. family traditions like we always do that and you're like well why well it's just because that's what we've done And do you know where it came from no we don't actually remember just somebody thought it was going to be a good idea like um, I tried to start new ones when I was a young person because I was kind of funny that way like I, wanted, I thought we really needed to have not electric candles on the Christmas tree, but actual candles on the Christmas tree. I found somebody that I found like actual, I think there were ten, maybe, like you know, handmade little, they look like little cups, you know, candle holders, you could put little, 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 little small candles in it. Um, and then we bought, that year I also thought it would be fun to have a live tree instead of a dead tree, a cut tree, so we had one, it, had, it was in a ball. So you, there's a whole thing for that you you something so so at least it wasn't like a cut dry tree it was green yeah exactly I'm sure there's an, I wouldn't be the first person who burn down a house or a church with a Christmas tree but but it never it didn't stick I did it we did it one year and that was that you know it was just kind of fun once and then um, so i don't I don't really know how things stick around well the thing I'm referring to is um, it was originally started it, that when you get towards the, the service of the sacrament which is you know, Sunday morning is—it's really three, well, two primary services plus this introductory stuff that we do: confession, absolution. Uh, today we had that really long form one, um, but I—it's I, in the bulletin that, to use that before you go to the sacrament. But you kind of, like anything, you have to—I think people have to be introduced to it to say, "Oh, that actually isn't so bad. I could go go through that before church," you know, that kind of thing. So we did it formally today. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. But um, yeah, service of the word is, leads up to preaching, and then um, we usually have prayers and offerings. But the offertory, which is in your commentary, that's part ten on page nine. Uh, the offertory is this transition between the uh, the service of the word and the service of the sacrament, which starts with commentary eleven, and. Uh, because we we've just so mm, I, I didn't finish my other statement because we well I'll finish this one because we've just um, usually put up you know given our offerings mm-hmm. and so then we transition into actually the offering that that God gives to us right in the sacrament and that we have nothing to to give but simply to receive salvation from Him uh, which I think is a way of then reframing the offering as not being our act of sacrifice to God, which if you read the stewardship materials I put in today, you know, it's kind of a that's that's it's a wrong headed way to think about offerings anyway, because there it's actually God's everything is God's. It's all his and we are um, we we are his stewards we might say or his responsible or his waitress. You know, it's not your food, but it's yours to deliver or to give, right? So um, so it's not really It's not really our money anyway. We just have this weird sense of... It's really greed or covetousness we talked about that kind of says, it's mine, mine. Or like, uh, what's his name in uh, Lord of the Rings, you know? Um, Gollum. My precious, my precious. Anyway, Lord of the Rings, just read it. Don't watch the movie, just read it. Uh, But the thought that I didn't finish before is things that kind of stick around, but we don't know where they came from, which was the practice of coming to the offertory and then... Taking a detour into the Lord's prayer, a closing prayer, and then departing without the Lord's Supper, so doing everything the same up until that point, and then taking this deep, this this uh, call it like a, a side road almost, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason for that, historically, Mike knows this, but historically it was to, um, it, as if no one had presented themselves uh, in confession and were the, thus prepared to receive the sacrament, so the sacrament was available. It may have even been on the altar, but yet no one had made confession, and so there was the option to be able to say, "Okay, we're not going to have the sacrament this week because the the pastor might be prepared, but but we don't do private sacrament. So you know, if no one else is prepared to receive, then just detour. Um, but because it was printed in the hymnal without any kind of like context or instruction as to like how to use this in the 1941 hymnal. Then congregations started adopting it and said, we can do everything the same through the service of the word. In one sense you could, but then just omit the sacrament this week because of X, Y, Z reason. Who knows? Every congregation is different. And uh, the challenge with that is that the service of the word is it's not simply a prayer service up to the offertory. If it were, it would be more like what we do for like matins or Vespers, these Services you probably have prayer services at chapel throughout the week, right? Where at school, where you hear you might sing a song, you might sing a psalm or pray a psalm. Um, then you hear some scripture, you hear a, a sermon on the scripture, some prayers, and then you leave. Whereas you see the service of the word is a little bit different because um, because we sing things like the glory, we sing "Lord have mercy" and we have the glory and how the Lord answers mercy. We keep praying "Lord have mercy." We pray. Actually, a prayer of the church, which is a comprehensive prayer, not just a prayer for the day, like we would in a prayer office. Although, when we do matins, I do say a prayer of the church because I don't want to throw people off too much. A question on that. So, we had talked. I think one of our first classes about the fact that um, traditionally there would be the Lord's Supper offered every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, when when were when were the primary uses of, of services like matins or yeah. that though or not? Based on um, the historic evidence is varied. It depends on where you are. Um, but generally speaking, the prayer service <laughs> came before the communion service. Oh. Yeah. Right. So this would be like in a city church. You might not see it as much in the country churches because they're just understaffed, basically, or just smaller. But in, especially in the city churches of Germany, um, so you would pray matins at daybreak, maybe, and then go straight into um, the intro and go after the benediction, or um, go and have Bible study and then come back for divine service. Um, some, some, of these congregations, some of our Missouri Synod congregations even have restored that kind of order. So they'll do, this is going to sound crazy. I know there's one in St. Louis. This is one of our congregations where they pray Matins then they have Bible study or no they don't have Bible study I don't know they break for a little bit and then they come back they have divine service and then they have Bible study then they have meal actually because by that point you're at noon <laughs> and then they pray Vespers before they leave so you end up being at church doing church stuff um, or at least love for one another stuff mm, he, probably that probably amounts to five or six hours total yeah but I mean there's breaks and it's not, it's not intense but you can imagine, um, we've, we've talked about this, you know, it's hard to communicate a lot of different things to people when you're limited to an hour plus maybe a Bible study that's sparsely attended. There's just not a lot of opportunity to, to teach people. So, for example, the practice would be at, I'm pointing am because this is his question, but you can listen to it. Uh, divine service, you always preach from the gospel. This, that's where this comes from. Because the early service, you would have already heard the Old Testament, and you would have heard a short sermon from the Old Testament lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at Vespers, you'd hear the Epistle again, and you would hear a short sermon from the Epistle. So actually, all three texts would get preached throughout that day. Um, but the Gospel was the one that was preached at the Divine Service. Um, I don't know, because it kind of you know it bugs me. Like today, I mean, the Epistle is a pretty rich text, but it's not exactly corresponding to the Gospel reading. Uh, yeah, I think you could make some connections if you tried really hard and I had and I deleted them <laughs> uh, because they were just kind of out of place it seemed like oh tangent no, no let's not do that so I cut it out but um, you know, it would be nice to be able to just entertain that reading you know, on its own and say here's, here's what this is saying or the Old Testament from the Jeremiah which is a really powerful text um, but um, given that this is our first time through the one year you know, these, some of these gospel lessons you might not have heard very recently or, you know, or maybe not from Luke's gospel at all. I don't know if it's appointed or not. So, what are we talking about? All right, so this detour, and it became just kind of a tradition among Missourians that, okay, on Sundays we don't have Lord's Supper, we'll just do the first part. Even though the first part is leading us towards receiving the supper, not just here in preaching. Um, and it, it, it kind of... Uh, from somebody who, like myself, who had, this is just personal preference, I suppose, but I I had been having every Sunday communion for the last, I would say, no, 10 years before I came here. That was my experience in four different parishes. So, um, was it four? At least four, yeah. Vicarage, then when I came back from Vicarage, and then, my call, and Chicago, yeah, four. Um, then, when we don't go to the sacrament, it's more apparent to me, I think, that, I, that oh, I see how the Kyrie attaches itself to the, the way that we also say Kyrie in the sacrament. The, the Song of the Angels in the service of the Word corresponds to the Song of the Angels in the Sanctus in the, in the service of the sacrament. And that the answer to our prayers in the service of the Word are in the sacrament, um, specifically, it, it's not. You're still. In, we're still in freedom. We wouldn't have to do that, um, but uh, anyway. So sometimes things just kind of hang out, and we don't know why they're there. And uh, uh, offertory is another example of that. Is that we think, oh, it's just something we have to sing that goes between the two parts, right? Maybe, or maybe you just say it's something we sang. Uh, but originally, again, its intended purpose was that the offerings that were offered were the elements for the Lord's Supper. So you might have a family bring one family's responsible for the host, the bread, and the other for the wine that week. And so, uh, so Catholic, Roman Catholics still do something. Do we did growing up? Yeah, bring them up. Yeah, that's what it's for. I don't know why we lost that practice. Um, I think it's because we really like the idea of sacrifice. and That sounds horrible. You know, maybe we haven't talked about. Maybe this is a good time to talk about this because this would be helpful. Um, as we get into the sacrament. Is that there's really, as you heard today, there's, you know, there's two kinds of religion in the world, if you like. There's uh, religion that the trusts in Christ alone for their salvation and then there's everything else. As Jesus says, if you're, you're against me, there's not like a middle area, right? And uh, another way to frame that is that if you're with Jesus, we'll say, I can't spell Jesus, okay, Right. Um, sacramental, and we talked about sacrament being mystery. You remember that? Yeah. Okay. I can't remember what I said when I had it. The other religion, we'll just say other, whatever that looks like, you and I or you know, who, your, who your religion of choice is today, Bodhisattva, or I don't know, some Hindu. Do you worship you know, Hindu gods? I don't know Hindu gods. No. I Definitely don't. Went to, to a Hindu temple. Time. Don't suggest it unless you're. Really okay, want to be creeped out because it's pretty creepy uh, coming from Christianity. This is sacrificial, okay? So sacramental, sacramental, sacrificial, and it's not a mystery. Um, it's we would say because mystery is that's eternal. This is uh, earthy, I guess we'd say, of the earth or of the flesh, okay? Not of God. So. How does this play out? This this is really important. In a sacrificial system, it goes like this. All right. So it's about what we do that either you know either appeases the god or makes him angry. Okay. Um, and it's always earthy things. So it's like I offer my the blood of bulls or goats or calves, right? Uh, which we'll get to in a moment. All world religions, it's about giving up something in order to please God as if he needs anything which actually the psalmist reminds us <laughs> why do you offer all this stuff as if I need it the heaven, heavens and the earth are mine why, why do you think I need it it's already mine <laughs> but that's that's how people have their head. they have their heads in the, in this gear because this is the uh, and then it is Old Testament too I mean the Old Testament uh, that's so what I was just we're going to talk about, yeah. to talk about. So to talk about. Okay. the New Sacramental um, which is um, God to us and so this is the language of gift as well Whereas this is the language of... You could use the language of gift, but it's my gift to offer God. I'm a gift to God. I'm so special. It sounds kind of, like, arrogant. But whatever. Uh, So you asked about Old Testament, and this is where it's really interesting. The Old Testament sacrifices. um, I think it's easy to miss this, but if you read Leviticus very carefully, not very carefully, I think it's actually pretty obvious once you know it's there. um, What you'll find is God takes... The worship of man, what we think we owe God, okay, or what would please him. And then he says, yeah, you can do that, but here's what I'm going to give you in that, right? So I mentioned blood of bulls and calves and goats, right? And, and uh, God does command that those sacrifices in the Old Testament. Uh, of course, as a way of showing um, how he's going to give his own son, actually, to die for the sins of the whole world, not just for individuals or priests or nations, But the difference between all other sacrifices and the ones that God has appointed, which he has appointed for us prayer and praise and Thanksgiving as our sacrifice, is that he attaches to the sacrifice his promise. So in a sense, like with the operatory, we could say, well, we're giving him our bread and our wine, and then he's going to use this for our benefit. But it actually works differently than that. It's like he says... I have forgiveness for you, so take bread and say this. I have forgiveness for you, so take wine and say, this is my blood shed for you, right? And actually, it's, he's the one who's appointed this. That's really a really big difference. He's appointed what the sacrifice is, what to use. And it isn't really a sacrifice because, again, it's already his, which is different than the world's religions, too, where they're, they often they're, they're, they're not just monotheists, so there's multiple deities. And they all have, like, a share. They have, like, a kingdom. I think, like, Hades is the god of the underworld. Zeus is the god of the heavens around other uh, places. So this is really important because you'll pay attention um, as to uh, where I face. And, I mean, with the sacrament, it's a little tricky because everything's sitting in front of me. Right? And so it's, it is essential, I think, that you take the sacrifice that God has offered in His Son's body, forgiveness of sins, giving up His Son to death for you. I take the, and, I, this, and I, I say, the peace of the Lord be with you always. Your sins are forgiven in this, right? Mm-hmm. That God has, God has appointed this, and He's attached His promise to it. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference from all other earthly religions. The problem is, like we talk about all these things and weird things that people do, and they don't know why. Is they're often in this category. Well, they have to be they're not in this category. So it's like, well, if I don't... I, I've had this happen. Like, if we don't... I don't know, if we don't have palm branches on Palm Sunday, it's not Palm Sunday anymore. You're like, well, has God said, thou shalt have Palm Sunday and wave palm branches and sing the song? Well, no. Or like Silent Night, you know, on, on Christmas Eve. Like, we have to have candles on Silent Night or it's just not Silent Night. You're like... There's no promise attached to singing Silent Night with candles from God. So it ends up becoming, for some people, not for everybody, most people probably haven't really thought that hard about it. It's just what they do, and it's not. But for some people, it's like, that's my thing, and that's, that's how I demonstrate to God. I mean, it's, it becomes potty idiot, It becomes part of the way that they're religious. Is there still a, I mean, even if you're not aware of it, there's still a bit of a danger if it's creating, well, you tell me I'm but if it's creating a sense of security or, uh-huh. or habit that maybe is distracting from... Right. right? Yeah, it's no, that's easy. exactly it. Right. A false confidence, Yeah, right, in the doing of something. Mm-hmm. It's the same, I mean, this can happen even with the Lord's sacraments, the things that he's appointed. Mm-hmm. So people have kind of a superstitious approach to say baptism, right? Well, I got my kid baptized so they're saved and that's it. I don't have to worry about anything else. And you're like... Mm, but you, the second half of the verse, Matthew, this is Matthew uh, 18, verse, is it 18? Yeah. Not not just verse 19, but read verse 20 where it says, And teaching them all the things that, that I have given you, or, or help uh, teach them, observing all things that I've given you, or whatever, keeping it. Um, that baptism and teaching go together. Like to be baptized and then to not ever hear God's word again, what have you done to your baptism, right? I mean, you're neglecting it, as what, and, and worse. Um, it's not that the spirit can't work even in the midst of neglect so don't get me wrong on that no. but you do put your faith in jeopardy because you're, you're making yourself susceptible it's like um, it's like another parable that we didn't hear today but similar to the one we heard today where the house is no we did hear it today didn't we? I, I totally spaced because my microphone went out mm-hmm. and, it, and I was then I was just reading because I, I, I was distracted so I don't actually do we have this text today? <laughs> I know I didn't preach on that part, where the house is swept and put in order, and then, no, it's, it's in the summer. Yeah. Was that today? Yeah, that was okay. Really, really. So the house is swept and put in order, but then nothing's left in its place. That's what baptism does. I mean, It casts out demons. The demons are cast out. And then you're just going to leave it empty? Oh, why not fill the hungry with good things, you know, to be with Christ? I think, I think it was doing one of the podcasts, or whatever, but it said that it all um, blurs together. baptism yeah. is really just like the start point. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a prep it? it I wouldn't say that so I mean, that may have been a different show um, it, it does begin but it is the beginning and the end as well I mean because your death is over with in baptism right? so I mean I put a lot more in baptism than I think what some people are comfortable with because they want to think of it as just like a rite of passage or a beginning um, and I mean if somebody comes to me and says pastor I don't know if I'm a Christian I'm going to say are you baptized and I going to say yeah and I say, then, then the, God's promise for you is true. You're his child. And I say, oh, well then, I guess I can come to church again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you see how that works? It's like the baptism was still true. You just didn't believe it. That's all. So uh, sacri- So that's what you're going to see here. This is sacrifice, and it's from God to us. So I, I didn't give you a hymnal, but I don't know how much of this you remember. You know, some of it, right? So, um, the, I don't know if he wants to, if the author here wanted you to follow along or not, but there you go. In case you do, so the preface begins. The Lord be with you, and also and with thy spirit, or and also with you, uh, which again is um, it's a blessing. I extend a blessing to you. Or you extend the same blessing back to me. Right? Um, it also serves as kind of a handshake. See you, Mike. See yeah. you. You know, kind of like hey, you started, and uh, can you? can I start this? And you're like, yeah, you can start this. (laughs) Let's keep going. I'm like, all right. Um, So then uh, there's some other dialogue back and forth and lift up your hearts, lift them up to the Lord. I think it's always helpful to say, because sometimes we forget, no, this isn't a sad thing, but this is actually, um, this is meant to lift our spirits. Forgiveness is meant to bring us joy. So we start out by saying that, even though um, we probably don't always feel that way, you know, because uh, The the problem with forgiveness, in a sense, is that mm, it implies that there's something needing forgiving. So, for some people, they'll hear, your sins are forgiven, and all they can think about is their sins, rather than the forgiveness that's in Christ. Um, And so... For, for someone like that, the best antidote is to say your sins are forgiven again. I have to say it again. I say it again until they say, mm-hmm. alright, if the Lord keeps forgetting them, then why do I keep remembering them? Right? Um, then we sing the Sanctus, which I mentioned the song of the angels. So in the, fir- the service of the word, it's glory be to God on high, and on earth, peace, good will among men. Then we sing holy, holy, again there. And so it's the song of the angels at the birth of Jesus. Kind of the beginning of the story. But here, this is from Isaiah 6, so it's the birth of the angels, or it's not the birth of the angels, it's the angels um, before the unveiled majesty of God on the throne of heaven. It's Christ at at God's right hand. um, Which is what we actually believe is happening in there today even though it doesn't always feel that way or sound that way. Is that we're, as we say in the preface, with saints and angels and the whole host of heaven. So I have a great painting of this that, I don't remember who the artist was, but it was made for a church on their anniversary, and they they painted saints kneeling, or Christians kneeling at the altar to receive the supper. But then, then they had the host of heaven around them, so angels. <laughs> but in actual, I don't think the church actually has angels like painted on the wall or anything like that. But that would be nice. There's also a, a church in Grand Rapids, um, Michigan. Where the same artist that did the bulletin cover today, you know, kind of scandalous one, he uh, but he painted uh, the Te Deum, which is the, the we talk again another canticle of the church where we sing about the host of heaven, right, and and the prophets and the evangelists and all the apostles, and so he has them all pictured in like a, a narrow band. What do you call that when you draw or like have a painted band or? Wayne, it's above the wainscoting and then they, we have it in there with the, it has the bread yeah, and wine about, so where we have the bread and wine all the way around he has the whole host of heaven and actually like I don't know how many saints all the apostles the evangelists um, people like Luther and other people and they're all and they're all approaching the altar they're all going towards the altar in the yeah it's really beautiful so it, a way of confessing uh, what we actually say with our words uh, confessing it visually with artwork, which I think is helpful, uh, we have the prayer of Thanksgiving, which sometimes I omit, sometimes I include. I Actually, included it today um, because we, had, we actually had a fair number of visitors, and and it, while it, it's a little, for me it's a little pedantic, and that, um, yeah, I already know this. Never, we have to say it again. Um, that's a little deceiving because yeah, I might know it, but it doesn't mean I always believe it. So it's a good reason to pray it. And then the other aspect, though, is it's good for children. Um, it's good for those who haven't been frequent to the sacrament to remember why the Lord gives it. And so we have that prayer there. It's a historic artifact of a much longer or many more prayers that, have been, um, that Luther had removed because the prayers got just so out of control that you forgot about, actually, the Lord's Prayer and the words of the institution, which should be the heart and center of this whole you know, half of the service or the service of the sacrament is the words of our Lord. Instead, it was about praying for everybody and anything. So he cut everything, including the prayer of Thanksgiving, but now it's actually come back with service one and two, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, But I do think it helpfully leads into the Lord's Prayer. So most Sundays, I think, I don't know, some Sundays we pray, some Sundays we don't. Then then it's the the Lord's own word, and uh, notice it's the pastor who says it or sings it, in my case, um, <laughs> mostly. I know it aggravates some people. But um, there's a reason I sing it, because one, you can understand me better, because I tend to talk too fast, uh, and then the room is kind of reverberant. Yeah. The other reason, too, is it it uh, it's actually Luther's instruction. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so it's only it's only something Lutherans do, is to sing the words of institution. And, uh, and it, it gives... Anything that we sing tends to have... Um, more weight to it you know it's harder for the words to kind of fly by Um, you kind of have to like it it draws your attention Um, think and it's also helpful for memory so you might remember like my eyes are ever upon the Lord um, for he will pluck me out of the net or something like that with one of the psalms that's the psalm that we sang today only because we sang it it kind of sticks in your head you know Uh, maybe not maybe next time maybe three times from now (laughs) and then uh, so the words of the Lord take center place but the pastor says it or sings it because I'm the one who's actually come to deliver that gift to you right the Lord has set me apart for that purpose um, although you should know the words so that's why during that um, Christian questions and their answers or the part of the catechism on the sacrament we actually we learn to say those words even as, as people one of the advantages of singing again is memory so I've had young, young people who have been around me long enough that they've heard me sing it, um, that they can sing it. They can't say the words, but they can sing them. So I think that there's something powerful there that we should recognize. Um, take advantage of, actually. Let's see. So, words of the Lord declare what's actually true. And then it ends with the peace of the Lord, which is Pax Domini in Latin, um, which is uh, really copying, I think it says John 20, yeah, John 20, 21 the upper room so after the Lord rose from the dead and he appeared to his disciples those are the first words he said to them peace be upon you or peace to you Um, which is another way of saying I forgive you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because if if your sins are forgiven if everything you did uh, to me or the way you neglected me during my (laughs) suffering and death um, if I say peace peace is yours you wear peace you're saying I'm setting all that aside I've forgotten all of that I'm not holding it against you Uh, In other words, I forgive you. So the one who they betrayed (laughs) collectively, um, first words he says to them is peace to you, and he says it three times actually. uh, Which is also helpful. So we say the same thing. Um, I like how the author says it. By sharing the peace of the Lord with each other in the pax domini, which is the practice of some congregations. And after I say peace to you, then you say peace to one another. Um, Which I think went away when somebody got sick, like mad cow or who knows? Some kind of sickness, and people were worried about shaking hands. Anyway, That's fun. yeah, I don't know. We lay aside all that stands in contradiction to the Lord's Testament. If He says we're at peace with Him in the forgiveness of sins in the sacrament, then then we're also, out of necessity, at peace with our neighbors who are also forgiven in Him. Which is why hmm, I don't know how much I want to get into this, but. Um, you wouldn't go to the Lord's table if you knew there was someone um, who either were, was holding your sin against, against you, or you were holding a sin against them, right, a grudge or whatever, okay. that you would you would reconcile before you go to the altar together, because that's what the altar declares, is that you're forgiven in Christ, and thus forgive one another before you go and receive forgiveness from Christ, which is kind of backwards. It also works out the other way. You see two people who are at odds with each other go and commune together, and then they make up. Right? Because having received Christ's forgiveness, then like, how can I hold this against so-and-so, right? My friend or neighbor, because if he forgave me my sin, how can I hold their sin against him? Yeah. So it's beautiful uh, to do that. So uh, the Roman church, actually, they call absolution the sacrament of reconciliation. I think they're onto something there, actually. That's a change, but I think it's helpful. Uh, and then the quote from Luther at the end of that our Lord is at one, t- at one and the same time chef, cook, butler, host and food so again here it's all Jesus he's the one offering he's the one, he's, he's the one upon the altar he's the one that you receive in your mouth uh, yeah you can understand that that's a little bit of a restaurant kind of approach after we see the sacrament I mean he skipped all the like singing hymns and, and processing but <laughs> yeah, that's just a necessary part of receiving the sacrament, right? Um, we only sing because we can. I mean, you could sit silently, but we sing. The uh, post-communion canticle, which is normally the noctimus, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace, for your word has been fulfilled, is to say, because I know my sins are forgiven, I know I can die in peace. Right? You're not holding this against me. My death is not eternal. I'm not condemned. I'm not accused by, the, by, by my sin any longer. Um, I know that eternal life is mine. Because you promised that to me in the sacrament. Um, so now I can, if, if, if I don't make it home, it's good. If I don't make it out of the church, it's good. My, uh, my uh, wife's uh, grandmother uh, died dancing polka in the basement of the church. Incense would be kind of helpful. You know, if you just take her upstairs and have the funeral, but I don't think that's how they did it. <laughs> it was before I, I did never get to meet her. Uh, then we pray a uh, collect, and, and the collect, the, the, the primary one, which is on the left hand column here, uh, I think in the hymnal, in the hymnal. There's, not there's other things you can say yeah. below. this one this is written by Luther right? and so it was an addition and uh, the key there is that, is that the, the sacrament would increase in us faith towards God alright so how does God encourage or strengthen faith by his word right? so when your sins are forgiven your faith or trust in him is increased actually um, well, it's the only reason you trust in him at all. You, you don't trust in people who don't look out for you, who don't care for you, who don't, don't have your best interests in mind, who haven't demonstrated their, their love for you. Why would you ever trust them? It's like, well, I trust the president. On what basis? On the basis of his office? Mm, that's not very helpful. Um, I have filling out my taxes on the basis of removing the moving expense deduction. I'm not very happy about that, because I just moved It's spent a lot of money to do it. You know, yeah. So, uh, do I trust him? I don't know. Um, not in the way I trust the Lord. I mean, just maybe just because he's elected, and that's just the system we have. And I just kind of have to kind of. But it's not a fear, love, and trust. It's not a like that which is reserved for God. Um, and maybe, maybe he'll demonstrate himself as being um, an upstanding moral individual. Or maybe once the you know, Mueller report Mueller report comes out. Uh, We can read it after today. Uh, We'll find out, hmm, not so trustworthy. You know, and and trust has a way... Earthly trust is like that, right? I mean, you have to earn it. You have to build it. It doesn't come automatically. Um, People forget... I forget that even as a pastor. I'm I'm called. The Lord has put me in this place. I'm your pastor. Um, And a lot of people will say, okay, that's fine. And they'll give me a long leash. Um, But it takes... Especially if there was a difficult pastor before, which there was, multiple... Um, it takes a long time to kind of build a like. Okay, we trust you. We know that you have our best interests in mind. You know that you don't. You're not always perfect, but you, but you, um, you're trying to do what is best. And and you also, you know, if we if if you do it, don't do it well. Um, you try to do better the next time, or you, you know, and all for those reasons, we 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 trust you in an earthly sense. Yes, we trust that the Lord put you here face sense, but but in love, we'll receive you because you've actually shown us love and been loving to us so and that's what that collect does is just to do the thing that we actually can't do of our own strength which is to go outside of ourselves and to love, the, love our neighbor um, and by love we mean serve um, care for, watch out, protect all the things that commandments 4 through 10 would command and so we, we actually need the sacrament in order for, to accomplish this which is problematic for people who say I don't need, I don't need to be in church do you understand that faith doesn't come from inside faith comes from outside and outside meaning hearing the word of God and hearing the one whom the Lord has sent Um, it's not to say you can't remain a Christian apart from the church for a while it might happen uh, just by reading your bible or something like that Um, but at some point you're probably going to get caught up in yourself and your own kind of nonsense and get distracted and say I'm not even really sure about salvation anymore or um, you know, I, I'm gonna, I don't care about my baptism, or just something like that. Um, so that's why the—that's why the job of the church is always to proclaim what Jesus has said, because it's not something believable. It's actually something that faith has to be created with, pro- proclaiming the word by the Spirit to actually believe any of it. Um, that isn't to say it's not always reasonable. Sometimes it's very reasonable, <laughs> um, irrational. Um, mm, but we're, still, we're also irrational people. We do stupid things that don't make any sense. Uh, so even if the word makes sense, we don't make sense. And so then there's still a contradiction. <laughs> so the sacrament kind of, order, I, kind of, it does order our lives and our days in, in the Lord's peace. So we, we come to be forgiven. We leave in the forgiveness and then live in forgiveness for one another. And, and where that forgiveness fails, then we return to the sacrament, of course, to receive forgiveness again and have that restored in us. So it's it's really part of the the life of the Christian, we'll say. And really connects, actually, as the Lord's Prayer says, um, it's one of, it's not earthly daily bread, but it is a kind of daily bread, you know, like a spiritual bread. That kind of is. Jesus calls it it, that it is. And then the benediction. This should be the last word, uh, but it's not always the last word. Sometimes it's the second to last word, because then we have to sing a hymn. Then it's the third to last word, because then we have to make a bunch of announcements. But it should be the thing that you get to leave with, is that the Lord bless you, keep you, the Lord make His face shine on you, or lift up His countenance upon you, and give you His peace, or you know, however, two different ways we say it, um, to leave with that peace, knowing my sins are forgiven, and I'm not, I mean, anything that I've said or done or thought uh, contrary to God's word, against Him or against my neighbor, all of that has been set aside, and now I'm free. I'm not, am not free to just be be an idiot again. Uh, actually, I kind of am. Um, but um, but now, knowing that that I'm not under this kind of performance anxiety like you heard about in the sermon, right? Where, like, am I good enough? Mm, that's not how this goes anymore. It's you are good. I could have went there at the end. I probably should have. You know, you are good in Christ, right? You are forgiven. It's not a... It's, not, it's black or white. It's not a, it's not a gray area. Enough. Um, and everything in our world is judged by enough. You know, do I... Whatever do I support the church enough? Do I, I? don't know. Do I show my affection enough to the ones I love? I mean, all that kind of stuff. And uh, as soon as you start playing games and like, especially mathematics and trying to figure out, you know, is this equal to that? And, um, it just doesn't go well. You know, it's like trying to loan or trying to uh, borrow money from family, and and they want to re- expect it in return, and it just gets awkward because it's like, you know, if this is about mathematics, then it's not about family anymore, right? Family, you just alone without expectation of return. Don't worry about it. And if you get it back, great. If you don't, whatever. If you get interest, that's nice too. But that's not that's up to them. It's not up to you. So the benediction kind of draws us all the way back then to the invocation. Because at the invocation, we say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, remembering your baptism and the benediction. It's 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 trinitarian in a sense, it's the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you, and be gracious unto you, the Lord look upon you with favor or lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But it's from Numbers, you know, uh, five books of Moses. So it's interesting how Luther and others then said, mm, you're not necessarily attaching each of those statements to one person of the Holy Trinity, but there's already this threefold kind of way that God blesses us. And, and now we know he's blessed us in, in his son, um, the son sent by the father, um, and and we have brought. We come to learn of Him by this power of the Spirit, who proceeds from both, and that God works in this kind of. He works in the unity of Trinity and unity of substance. And uh, talking about a creed, <laughs> you know those complicated theological words. So that actually is kind of this kind of the service. I keep saying kind of today. It's not kind of. It is. It is. It is um, and it is the chief service of the church. Is the service of the Lord's Supper. And uh, Mike and I have been talking about that. He's the head elder. Um, There's a lot of historic reasons for why that isn't the case. And I think John had asked about that too. Um, For Lutherans in particular that are somewhat immaterial, um, but material to this congregation in a sense that the immigrants from like Pomerania and Saxony that that founded this congregation are coming out of a, a theological movement in Germany uh, two different ones. They're fleeing one, but they were in a different one themselves. A, they're fleeing one where it said that, hey, you know what, Lutherans, Reformed, whatever, we're all on the same page, we get along, we're, doing, we're not teaching different things, which wasn't true. So they're leaving that, but they themselves are influenced by, a thing called pietism, which says it's less important what Jesus says externally, but actually how I respond to it myself. And it's a way that Lutherans, uh, some Lutherans shifted towards this view that it became more about our response to God than God's actual doing. And I probably err so far on this side that people are like, well, pastor, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) Do I do anything? And in terms of salvation, zippity-doo, right? I mean, it's all God in Christ for you. Uh, But like we said, the epistle today in particular um, is very rich in saying, um, like, for example, one of the terms in there from Paul, which is a mixed metaphor, so it's a little confusing, is, um, the fruit of light. Like, light doesn't have fruit. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the fruit of light? Well, he uses fruit, he's very careful Paul is about, using fruit, because um, Jesus has actual stories and parables about trees that don't bear fruit. And what good are they? Right? But who is the tree? Who is the who is the tree? Who is the... And what tree gives good fruit? Um, it's the fruit of the cross, which is forgiveness. He is the tree... Um, what else? Think there was another expression there that Paul uses. Oh, Jesus, talk, you know, curses the fig tree in Holy Week, you know, because it doesn't—it's not bearing fruit either time he walks by, and people are like, oh, you know, he's kind of cruel because I mean, what, what's the poor fig tree? And it's like, but what good is the tree if it's not going to do what it was made to do, right? And so that's the negative sense. The positive sense is if you're grafted onto the fruit-bearing tree that is Christ. Like we said, how do, you have, how do you have love for your neighbor? Only in the love of Christ. How can you forgive your neighbor? Only because he's forgiven you. So if you're grafted onto that, then it's like the sap that flows through the, through the veins of the maple tree, right? And, um, if you're grafted onto it, then the sap flows into you, and, and now you bear sap. <laughs> Whatever, the analogy falls apart. So what's the fruit of light? Well, he's the light of the world Revelation. What's the fruit of that? Um, fruit is, what would you say, and, Unfortunately, it's not always a natural consequence of a fruit tree, right? Because trees don't always behave. Seasons don't behave either, so the trees get confused and they don't bear fruit this year. But, um, but generally speaking, and then, what, and then what Christ promises for us is that we will bear fruit. But not because we have that in and of ourselves, but only because we've been joined to him who gives us life and light and you know, all the things needed to bear fruit. Uh, so the freedom of the sacrament is that we go forth, um, you know, how did I say at the end of the sermon today? Oh, you know, let him have his way with you. Which is an expression I picked up from another pastor, but um, it's, kind of, it's kind of weird. but It's just like, it, it's a sense of a surrender or vulnerability. and just say, I'm yours. Uh, have me be who, who you would have me be. And don't think too hard about it.